Welcome, everyone, to Episode 8 of the Stop Decorating the Fish podcast. I'm your co-host, Randy Cox, and sitting across from me is my wife, Kristen Cox, who just got home from a trip from Fort Worth, Texas, at the uh, conference breakout session you just gave for the Policy Circle. Yeah, great event, great women, great people out there trying to make a difference in the world, which I love. Yeah. Chris, the work that you did to prepare for the breakout session, you showed them a a methodology and approach that you use for problem solving, for diagnosing a problem, for getting the, seeing the cause and effect relationships, seeing the dynamics of a given situation, and then learning how to flip that. The specific context that you were talking about there was communities in decline or communities that are growing and the, the challenges that they're facing. But the approach, the larger approach actually applies to everything and any kind of problem mm-hmm. scenario. Mm-hmm. And so we thought that, that it was important enough and it would be a great example, great case study that we should devote today's episode to walking through that with everybody. Yeah, let's first explain though what a vicious cycle is and what a virtual cycle actually is. The challenge when we come across what we see is complex problems with many different elements or parts or moving pieces, we tend to gravitate to fixing each one of those pieces separately. And this isn't just true in operations when we're talking about flow, it's true when we're talking about economic development or community development or tax reform, et cetera. The beauty of what theory of constraints teaches us is that everything's interrelated, nothing happens in a vacuum. And our tendency to break things down actually makes things worse. And what we're trying to do is pull out a bit and not just go to 10,000 feet, but 30,000 feet and look at all of the issues going on and try to see how do they connect, right? Sometimes we, you know, people will do the five whys, et cetera, but the five whys are meant to be very specific with a very specific problem you're facing. When you're taking on a massive system, let's say community development, and you've got lots of issues going on, how do you know where to start? How do you know where to focus? How do you know how to get out of the situation you're in? And these tools are designed to help us create simplicity out of things that seem very complex and to help us to know where to focus. Okay, wonderful. So I think the structure of today, we thought we would walk through two major scenarios as an example. First scenario would be communities in decline. The second would be communities that are growing. And then inside of each scenario, there'd be three parts. There's the vicious cycle, the leverage point, and then the virtuous cycle. Yeah. So let's just, let's just talk a little bit though, how we build these. Cause what I'm going to talk about will seem overly simplistic. And again, we're not here to, on this podcast to help everybody become like vicious cycle ninjas, but to help you start to orient to an easier way or hope that you can, and there is a methodology to take on things that seem very complex. So let's say you're in a, in a community in decline, and we see this in you know, some major cities across our country right now, different communities, and you can have a long list of lots of stuff going on. You know, crime could be spiking. You could have job losses. You've got unemployment issues. You've got blight going on. You've got, you know, some carriers, you may see drug and homelessness start to spike. You may start to see real estate declining, which is a decrease in your tax revenue. You could see loss of retail stores, so you start creating food deserts, and lots of stuff going on and people try to tackle these things one at a time and we will get tactical when we get into the actual implementation but at the high level we're just trying to figure out what's the problem and there's a lot of problems but what we're trying to help people understand is that 
all these problems are interrelated. And if we can understand what we, another word for a vicious cycle is called a self-perpetuating cycle, how these things interact and how they keep playing off each other and reinforcing one another, then we can get our head around it. So those are, you know, a long list of challenges, let's say with communities in decline. I'm not saying this is the vicious cycle for all communities, but this is a vicious cycle I've seen in many communities. So there's a triggering event. Company leaves, you know, it's an anchor for the city or the community or policy changes. So there's a kind of a spike in crime. So what you see start to happen is citizens and businesses aren't happy with the downcline. And they start to leave. You'll see businesses leave or citizens leave. And you start to see a loss in revenue. And when you have a loss in revenue with the same existing fixed infrastructure, et cetera, with even more problems hitting you, you have less revenue to actually reinvest and deal with those problems. So your community continues to decline and more citizens and businesses leave, which means you have less revenue, which means you have less revenue to make reinvestments and stabilize the community or improve it, which means the community declines, people leave less revenue. It's the self-perpetuating cycle. And it seems very simple when you say it this way, but it is actually that simple. Now, simple does not mean easy. Getting out of these vicious cycles, it takes immense focus and just a lot of work. But we set these up because instead of chasing every little problem in isolation, if you start to understand the vicious cycle, you can focus your efforts, right? And theory of constraints is very much about focus. So in this situation, if I've got a community that's in this vicious cycle, what I want to, one solution, you know, that we've seen work, especially, you know, I'm not saying again, this is for all communities, but my experience is that what you need to do is implement what we call a complete solution top to bottom. An example, Randy, actually you told me about, maybe, maybe you share the story of the general and the stronghold. Yeah, this I think was in, uh, in Jocko's book where they talked about, they would go into these, I think this was Fallujah. I'm not sure, but it was basically they would go into these cities that were occupied by this terrorists, and they, rather than trying to take over the whole city, they would just they would basically pinpoint one building in the middle of the you know the heart of this territory, which they felt the bad guys basically felt like was theirs, and so they would find a, a building right in the middle. They would take that building top to bottom, secure it, secure the perimeter, and then they would go building or two out from that and a building or two out from that. And it was the strongholding principle where they would build from the center out. And one thing at a time, right? One a thing complete, at a time. Take over a complete if building. If they had tried to take, if they tried to put one guy in like 16 different buildings, it, that all 16 of those guys would have been killed, unfortunately. But if they put all of their forces in one building mm-hmm. and say, we are taking this building, then they could take it. And yeah. they could, and then they could secure it, and then they could move out from there. Now we're certainly not making this as an analogy, right? Like that you're right, at war here. Right. But the point and the principle that I liked here, as we call it, dosage. Uh, here it's called stronghold principle, but it's essentially in, another term we're using here is complete solution. So, if I'm in Baltimore City, which has you know, definitely got its fair share of challenges, I can spread a lot of resources and initiatives on many things way everywhere across the city, and it's very difficult to get out of these self-reinforcing um, cycles if we just spread our resources then. So when we do a complete solution, I may say, okay, where do I have a, a competitive advantage or a natural asset that I can maximize already? 
Baltimore City has a really cool tourist area called Inner Harbor, and it also has Johns Hopkins, right? A very well-established institution. I can't fix all the city's problems at once, but what if I could do a complete solution within to take over one square block near Johns Hopkins? This is just an example, right? Now, I could really focus my resources and get a really strong biomedical device companies established with some good living arrangements for people where people could live. So it's mixed-use housing, right? So complete solution means that we also consider low-income folks. We're not just going to complete gentrification and keep kicking people out. That's part of your complete solution. I'm looking at uh, reduction in crime. What do I need to do for reduction of crime? I'm looking for infrastructure. And I do a top-to-bottom solution right there. And now I've got a little bit more pull. I'm starting to bend the vicious cycle. I've got more people staying. I'm starting to generate some revenue. I'm starting to stabilize that part of the community. And then I can go out from there. So that's an example of a complete solution. And when I do that, one complete solution at a time, I get new revenue. So now I start getting into my virtuous cycle. I implement my leverage point, which is a complete solution, top to bottom. I then start generating a little bit more revenue and start slowing the hemorrhaging, which means I have some resources where I can implement the next complete solution. And then I have some more revenue coming in and I can implement the next complete solution. And I start slowly turning this cycle one complete solution at a time. When I don't understand the cycle I'm in, we start chasing lots of different solutions, but we seldom have enough dosage or even understanding of where the leverage point is and we just keep doing more of the same. And I think many of us who either work in government or nonprofit space or just live in communities or gone through communities where we see a lot of effort and a lot of work going on, but you're not seeing a lot of substantial change in the community. And it's a sign that you're not really tackling the underlying issue that's perpetuating the vicious cycle. And, and, and as you mentioned, the, the vicious cycle will continue because the nature of it is self-feeding. Yeah. So if you so step one is kind of recognize it, name it, understand it, but then you look at a leverage point. You look at is there some piece of that vicious cycle that I could get my arms around, mm-hmm. and I could flip it, mm-hmm. and if if I could in stronghold it or you know, and if I flip that, that one piece, it should have a cascading effect, a positive cascading effect around the rest of the cycle to turn it mm-hmm. from a, a vicious cycle into a virtuous cycle, yeah. right? And we are working on an ebook on this, and when it's completed, we'll announce it to the audience so you can get the step-by-step breakdown of how this works. But whenever you're not seeing a breakthrough result and you're seeing marginal improvement, whether it be you know water quality or water resources or economic development or you know you've got to do quick applications and you're just not seeing a big improvement, it's likely you have not understood the vicious cycle you're in and you don't understand your leverage point. So when we talk about the another example of a vicious cycle is when you're in communities not that are in decline but communities that are growing. Now again this is an example for many communities I've seen, I'm not saying it's true for everyone, but uh, communities that are growth have lots of challenges going on, right? We, we get the, the benefit. Utah's a growing economy, so you get the benefit of new revenue and new um, people coming in and excitement. You don't have blight, you know, you've got, but it creates other problems. Pressure on affordable housing, education, social services costs tend to go up over time. 
you've got pressure on like natural air, resources, air quality. Like you, you've been flying into some cities that are in hyper growth mode. Hyper growth mode, yeah. And so like the traffic and the airports. And yeah. The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't name the city to embarrass them, but, you know, one city's airport is kind of a nightmare right now because of just these growth pressures. So so what do you do? And everybody will chase a million things. And if the, the people at the top aren't seeing these vicious cycles, they keep doing more of the same. So let's let's say you're a community where you're, you know, highly reliant, you're trying to attract new businesses and people to your state. In some places right now in the country, they're not even actively attracting people or moving there, but they're often using incentives and tax incentives and marketing and things like that to bring people to their state. Active recruitment, you know, is another form of that. So you're bringing people in, but the folks coming in, especially the businesses that people are recruiting, are not paying the full cost of coming to the state, right? There's a there's a cost when you come in, infrastructure pressure on schools, water resources, et cetera. So when the full cost isn't paid, then some of those key reasons why people came in the first place suffer, right? So the education system suffers because you've got more kids without sufficient resources or the natural assets that people love when they came aren't protected, they're getting overcrowded. So some of the reasons why people came actually start to suffer. And so now there's pressure to reinvest more money into those areas, more ed- money for education. You've got now problems with affordable housing, workforce housing, so more money for um, housing, et cetera. So there's more money, pressure to invest in these areas. And when that happens, there's pressure often to bring in more businesses, et cetera, to continue to grow the economy, to pay for all of these needs that are popping up, which means more people are coming in and those same people are now not paying the full cost because we keep doing how we're doing and they put more pressure on the infrastructure and it goes on and on and on. Well, there's a dynamic of the people who were attracted. They were incentivized to come with certain promises and then they get there and it may not be as rosy as they thought well, maybe it was initially it was, but over time yeah you know there's pressure and there's just more critical mass generates usually more critical mass and when you have a critical mass of businesses in a great way that are they're attractive and you're creating a critical mass of certain clusters of businesses more businesses come in but it by default over time will create strain on housing infrastructure water natural assets etc so the way You've really got to get out of this, at least in the communities here you know, that I've seen at different places in the United States, is when people do come, they pay the full cost of coming. You know, Not just new people coming in, but the people that live in the state pay the full cost of, of being there. And that's controversial, right? You know, People come in, there's impact fees for housing. Developers don't want to pay the impact fees. We can talk about breaking these conflicts in a later episode that you pay the full cost for coming. And that does a few things, that when you pay the full cost of coming, by default, you have you start to you start to moderate your growth because its price signals tend to help people not over or under consume. So you have moderated gro- growth that is paid for, and people are paying their way as they go. So you can pay for the schools, the infrastructure, protect the water, protect natural resources, etc. As they come in, which means that those natural assets or the reasons why people came because the education system's really good or whatever reason they had is maintained or improved because the revenue paces with growth. And when that happens, more businesses or people want to move in, not because you have to encourage them to come, but because the place to live by its default is so attractive to come. And that's one way you can start getting out of these vicious cycles. Now, there's details in here, and there's problems and challenges to overcome in, in you know, using this leverage point of, in this case, paying the full cost, so we know that that's a different episode of how do you break those conflicts. 
when we mean by conflicts, we mean perceived false choices, you know, these dilemmas people are in. And those will show up whenever you're trying to get a big breakthrough and overcoming a vicious cycle, there's going to be some inherent, sometimes invisible, deeply embedded dilemmas or what we call core conflicts that are occurring and that's for a later episode. But for now, we're just saying, look, big systems can be handled. We, we do have the ability to, to think through these big issues going on in our economics and our economies and our communities and our education systems. Theory of constraints is not just for an operation. It's about helping us think and take on huge issues. And when we have these types of tools and we really work on them and I'll build vicious cycles and, you know, play around with them for days or weeks till you get it right. And people look at it and you've missed something and then the verbalization isn't right. Or we've missed something, you know, it takes thinking. And, but when we get them right, it's like, oh, duh. Yeah. We've, <laughs> we have seen that in, in workshops where like literally you can just, it's like light bulbs come on in the whole room. When, when we finally tweak it just right, you, you finally tweak it just right. Like, Everybody sits back, and goes, "Oh my gosh, that totally describes it." Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because it's not—it's not a one-element thing. Like it's this element causes something else, yeah. Because and then of that this, element that. causes something else, and and it's like you really wouldn't be able to f- see the third or fourth thing if you hadn't worked your way logically through one, two, three, you know, yeah. like it's... And it's literally a cycle. It's like a circle where you show one thing impacts the next thing and, it, and they become like little circles or cycles right. of things going on. So it's a really important concept. Now, the the stronghold principle you raised, which is what we call dosage, it's a rule of flow we use in, in our world. Dosage is the intensity of your intervention. You cannot take the vicious cycle lightly like if you're in one you can't just dink around with it and and spread your resources then and kind of work on it once in a while to get out of these really requires a lot of focus and a lot of energy and a momentum to move the inertia that's pulling you in one direction and start changing the direction and that's a huge failure point I, I my experience for a lot of folks in management or leadership is we're distracted in so many areas which I get it it's really tough that we don't have the discipline to stay focused, to break out of the inertia, even when we know the right solution, and we know what we need to do, there is a discipline to having sufficient dosage to overcoming it. Now, the good news is, is if you push on the right leverage point with the right intensity over the right period of time, all of the other problems that are byproducts of this vicious cycle start to mitigate themselves, start to become less acute, and you don't have to spend so much time and attention on those areas. So it's a really powerful tool. It's, but more importantly, it's a really powerful way to think. And it's founded on one of the pillars we have in Theory of Constraints from Dr. Goldratt is that things are simple. And that's a really hard thing for people to believe in. We believe like we almost are addicted to complexity and sophistication. And, you know, I'm not saying there's not a lot of details, but a lot of details is very different from complexity. And when we believe in the idea that we can find and understand the the bigger issue forces us to train our brains and our approach to go in that direction. Don't you think that, like, there's such a momentum with, with the way things currently are that we often will underestimate 
like the focus and the energy that's needed to try to counteract that? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we wrote, we wrote about this. I wrote about it in the fulcrum, the concept of momentum and inertia. You know, if you've got an 18-wheeler going down a freeway, it, you know, no brakes at 80 miles an hour, tons of momentum. It's self-perpetuating energy, right? The direction gets faster and faster, and there's more power behind the 18-wheeler over time. You don't just, like, hit it with a little rock and expect it's going to change its course. To move something like that, it, the momentum behind that 18-wheeler is so forceful that you've got to have something as more powerful than that to knock it out of its trajectory. It's got to like land in a mountain that won't move to get it to stop. And that's the level of intensity we're talking about when we talk about momentum and inertia. Those are literally incredibly powerful forces in our organizations that we're blind to. And the vicious cycle is there to help us say, wait, there's momentum in the system. Another way to think about self-perpetuating is where's the momentum or the inertia in my organization taking me? Where's it going? And know that to overcome that, you've got to have something really strong using that metaphor of the 18-wheeler. And I, I also think it's interesting because it's it's an intuition, like it, it's a it's a, an approach that encourages you to use your intuition, your hard-fought pattern recognition that Jack Welch would call it, like that you understand the dynamics of how things work. You don't necessarily have to have a spreadsheet tell you. Yeah. Like the spreadsheet I, can yes. back it up, but yeah. there's like, it's okay for you to just use your intuition. And your logic. And your logic yeah. and say, does this follow from that? Yeah. What happens if that happens? You know, and yeah. Well, what's really important is that experience breeds intuition. And we have good intuition. We have a foundation to create logic. And when we have logic that makes sense, we can actually get a breakthrough, which gets us motivated to do more experience and to gain more intuition. So, you know, doing this requires that you have people with some experience in that space, right, that have good intuition and that you believe that logic matters. And then you can use data, et cetera, to refute or validate and see what's going on um, and give you order of magnitude. But the most important thing is to learn how to think. And if that's all we talk about today, and I think we can wrap it up here, is things are simple. We can use logic and our intuition to get breakthroughs. Nothing happens in a vacuum. And the most entrenched problems we have are occurring because we're usually in very deeply embedded and often invisible vicious cycles. We can break them, but it will create or require immense dosage to move that 18-wheeler coming to the, down the mountain out of out of its trajectory. Right. And just as a quick thing, it's also a powerful communication tool. So like when, when you have worked through this or a team works through this and they now want to describe the dynamics that we've been seeing or they've been seeing to someone else, it's a really powerful way to just have a simple four or five node vicious cycle that explains the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. And my, my, when I teach this as my class, I, I tell you know, I'm blind. And so I tell the students, when that student's presenting their vicious cycle, I tell the class to close your eyes. You know you have a good vicious cycle if you don't have to see it and memorize it to repeat it back. The logic just makes sense. You may not you know, be perfect or you're not word for word, but your logic is pretty parallel to what their presentation was. That's a good sign of a vicious cycle. It's also a great way you know, to, to check with other people. Is this right? What have we missed? And it's a great way not, I, I hate the word buy-in because it sounds manipulative almost. 
I would say it's a great tool to ensure there's consensus on what the problem is and people can give you feedback that way as well. So yeah, it has lots of applications. Awesome. Well, we'll, I'm sure we'll do future episodes on that and more specifics and then how that also, how this ties into another tool that you were talking about that you mentioned about breaking conflict. So that's, Mm -hmm. that would be a fantastic episode just on the relationship between those two. But But go to our website, check out if you want to see a, a visual description of vicious cycles for the ones we used here. Again, you know, that may not be true for the community you're in, but the, it's the tool and the concept that's important. Right. And as soon as Chris and I finish re- concluding this podcast recording here in just a few seconds, we're actually going to pause and then we re- record a few more minutes of content, that, which is like specifically about how can we apply what we discussed today. And that content will be available to the members of our private online training community, which we call the Fulcrum. Chris mentioned it earlier. There's also articles and videos and a lot of Chris's long-form content is over there. You can learn more about that. You can request to join at www.jointhefulcrum.com. Yeah, we just actually posted on dosage. Just I just posted an article I read on it this week that yeah. t- dovetails perfectly into this conversation. It was this, yeah, I love that because it was a chemical concept yeah. that actually is the same idea. Yeah. So if you found something of value today in this episode or in a prior episode, please like and share the show with a coworker. And we will talk to you again in two weeks on our next episode. So stop decorating the fish. <laughs> <laughs>